Hello and welcome to Great Ridge Station. I'm your host, Sam Helgerson, and I'm pretty much a fixture around these parts. Thanks for stopping in on your way through. Season 5, Episode 4. Well, welcome back to the station. This time, continuing our conversation about where are the leaders. It's troubling to me. I talk to a lot of leaders. I talk to a lot of followers. But it's evident that there's very little leadership actually happening. It's sad that leaders sometimes give up leading in favor of being policy enforcers. Now, there's nothing wrong with good policy, as I've said in a couple of previous episodes at the station. But if that's the extent of your work, well, I'm not sure that leader is the right moniker for what you do. Don't despair, though. I think it's possible to be a leader, but I also think it's way harder than people think. Now, in part one of this material, I introduced the idea that we've really lowered the bar on what it means to be a leader, what it means to exhibit leadership. Now, the Gospel of Matthew, that's the first book in the New Testament, Jesus is paying attention to the people around him, and in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, here's what he says. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Remember that. Jesus shows up and sees that the crowds are aimless and no one is tending them, and his response is compassion. Here are the pieces that we're working through in these episodes. Uh, compassion, direction, influence, meaning, formation, aspiration, culture, achievement, and growth. Well, last time in part one, we addressed compassion and direction. This time, we're going to look at influence, meaning, and formation. So, without further ado, let's get to work. First, influence. There are a lot of writers and resources that define leadership in terms of an influence relationship. That's true, but it makes it sound more structured than it is. Influence does not mean that you are telling someone what to do. That's authority. This is not about authority. It's about earning the credibility so that people align their life to yours without thinking about it. Several years ago, NBA player Charles Barkley took some heat for his comments that he didn't want to be a role model. He made the comment that just because I dunk a basketball doesn't mean I should raise your kids. Now, if you remember any of that, it was clear that he was not role model material, and he took a lot of criticism. But before long, others were saying things like, I don't want to be a role model either. See, that's the thing about influence. You can have it even if you don't want it. This story is worth sharing again. See, there was a moment when I realized that I was a leader, whether I liked it or not. There was this group of people, in fact, it wasn't even a group, it was just a bunch of scattered people who were not necessarily even talking to one another. But these 20 or 30 people were watching every move I made. They were doing the things I was doing. They were trying to become mini versions of me. <laughs> now, I think it's worth pointing out that I am not cool in the technical sense of the term. I'm pretty geeky. I'm an introvert. I have plenty of doubts about my social skills. I'm told I have a few eccentricities and quirks. And I'm not the guy with the magnetic personality. I don't really want to be a role model. You, you could do so much better. But there I was, a role model, like it or not. 
Now, the research seems to suggest that influence like this comes out of four different areas, but I use the phrase seems to suggest intentionally. We don't know for sure, and this kind of interpersonal influence is very difficult to quantify. So, influence, though, seems to come out of these four. Charisma, competence, character, and clarity. So, charisma is that magnetic attractiveness, which sometimes in French is called je ne sais quoi, which sounds really pretty cool, except when you learn that je ne sais quoi means I don't know what. Yeah, that's charisma. Uh, that light up a room quality that kind of defies definition. Some people have it, most do not. You do not have to have a charismatic personality to have influence. Competence is another way. This generally involves some technical skill expressed through creativity. Think about the craftsman, in the non-gender specific sense of the word, who builds something elegant and beautiful. Think about the musician who has unusual skills or develops a new approach to tuning or adapting an instrument. Think about the computer programmer who creates an elegant solution to a difficult problem. Think about someone who creates something more beautiful than it has to be simply because they can. See, those are the people who draw a following because of their competence. Well, the next one is character. There's a lot that can be said about character, but I'm going to cook it down to the basics. Character amounts to being consistently trustworthy to the point where people can predict how someone will act or respond in a situation. Character involves integrity and being the same sort of person in every setting in your life. Now, that doesn't mean you act the same way when you're interacting with toddlers as when you interact with business associates although the best jokes write themselves. No, it means that they would all know the same sort of person. They would know who you are. Now, finally, I would argue that influence can come from clarity. Clarity is not about knowing what to do in every situation. That's not realistic, and that's not smart. Clarity is about knowing what's important in every situation. Clarity comes down to values and upholding them, no matter how unpredictable life gets. This, of course, requires a good deal of integrity as well. I hope that's helpful. It's also a good segue because clarity is also an aspect of our next forgotten factor in genuine leadership, and that is meaning. There's a lot of cultural pressure these days toward the idea that there is no ultimate meaning in life and that we have to construct our own meaning. What a loss of carp. <laughs> That's an inside joke. You know intuitively that made-up meaning is no meaning at all. If you read about Roman culture in the first century, it becomes pretty clear that they were living in a world of made-up meaning. Yeah, it's pretty hard to live in an occupied territory with a military presence and take the idea of Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, seriously. In the midst of social and political pressures, Jesus saw people as harassed and helpless. Now, I'm obligated to point out that when Jesus was asked this question, which commandment is the greatest of all, he responded with these famous words. The greatest is, here, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. 
This is not an appealing idea right now, but think about it. What if leaders were to help people find meaning in their work by showing how it either honored God or benefited others? Yes, I know that in a secular setting you may not be able to use those exact words, but you can certainly infuse those ideas into your work and leadership. Well, why would you? That's a fair question. But that change in mindset gives ordinary, mundane, day-to-day -day work an eternal context. The 20th century was not friendly toward meaningful work. Taylorism promoted the idea that people were replaceable cogs in the machine and their only process was to keep the machine moving forward. Talk to your friends and co-workers. There are a whole lot of people who see their work simply as keeping the juggernaut moving forward toward whatever that means in their industry. A leader who can say, no, no, your work matters in a much more profound way, and really mean it, can help people to develop real meaning in their work. You know, I've been doing a lot of research on this lately for a course I'm developing, and it's really frightening to me to see how many people see work as something that just sucks the life out of them. See, leaders who can see the ultimate meaning in work can turn that work into something that breathes life into people. Now, I feel like a caveat is in order here. This does not mean that there are not pressures, frustrations, and sometimes really hard work. There is that, but meaningful work is usually hard, and it brings with it a sense of accomplishment, something beyond, well, we got through it, to something like, those results will make a difference. Let's move on. The next piece to consider is formation. This is sometimes referred to as training and development, but there's more going on here than that. You may have heard that word in face circles of spiritual formation. Well, that gets closer to what we're talking about. Sometimes good personal formation means helping people to learn to live with themselves, to learn to take personal responsibility, to learn how to grow in their key areas of strength, and learn skills that will strengthen them in their work or to take action and take responsibility without pointing fingers. See, it's about smoothing out our rough edges. That's what formation is. I had a boss once who, as part of my annual performance review, specifically said to me, over the next year, I'd like to see you work on developing your business sense. Well, she helped me to understand what that meant, and in a lot of ways, she launched me into the world of leadership. She understood what formation looked like and how it could help, and all these years later, I still remember that as well, a formative moment. Way back in 1946, Harry Emerson Fosdick wrote a book entitled On Being Fit to Live With. That's a good title. One of the points of the book is that being a good citizen involves stepping up and making a difference and not expecting the company, the city, the government to take care of things. If it needs to be done, you need to be the one to do it. Pretty smart words from a lot of years ago. So as we wrap up, let me remind you again of the words of Warren Bennis. If you think you're leading, but no one is following, you're just out for a walk. Well, we'll come back to these questions in our next episode, where we'll tackle more of these ideas. So if you enjoy Great Ridge Station, tell your friends and colleagues to subscribe. And we'll see you next time for part three of this series, Where Are the Leaders? Thanks for joining us at Great Ridge Station. All content is developed by Dr. Sam Helgerson with appropriate citations of outside sources. Our sound engineer is Brick Martin. 
All background and bumper media is in the public domain and retrieved from archive.org. The opening music is from Guy Lombardo, Down by the River. The closing music is from Annunzio Montavani, Skyscraper Fantasy. I'm already looking forward to your next visit to Great Ridge Station.